we we built it to scale in a way where yeah if we got a lot of traffic we could handle it but if a lot of people were were using all of the different features you know the it it would expose a lot of bugs our initial thought process was if we can get podcast creators to share Podchaser, then it's going to bring their listeners. Because if they say, go rate and review my show on Podchaser, then listeners are going to discover it. Then they're going to discover all the features. So we, from the beginning, built tools to support podcast creators. My name is Cole Raven. I am a co-founder and head of revenue at Podchaser. This is Code Story a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Laphart, and today how Cole Raven set out with his co-founders to build the IMDB for podcasts. All this and more on Code Story. Cole Raven has spent many years in Indiana. Immediately out of college, he started a business that failed quickly, but early on he knew he wanted to do his own thing. His wife and he just moved to Hawaii. They've been a full-time traveling couple following the Spartan race for quite some time, so obviously they're into trail running. Prior to his latest venture, he signed on to Vibonomics as one of their first employees early on in their startup inception. He learned a lot about startups, about fundraising, and what it takes to build a successful startup. A few years ago, he and his team figured out that podcast episode discovery is downright terrible. There is no IMDB for podcasts. After some community polling and volunteer participation from a team in Australia, they set out to build Podchaser, which is your source for podcast discovery. The idea was that uh, their episode level discovery for podcasts is terrible. It's it's very difficult to find good episodes of any podcast. So when you when you use tools for other other media like IMDb or Goodreads, it's very easy to even go through a list of episodes for a TV show and understand like this one has an eight point six out of ten, so it's a great episode, and this one has a six out of ten, so it's a terrible episode. And there's, there are good barometers that exist just in other media, but nothing existed for podcasting. So Bradley actually posted, he posted on Reddit and asked if anything like that existed. And the community overwhelmingly said no. And so a couple of our co-founders responded to that post and they're, they're based in Melbourne, Australia, but they responded and said, it doesn't exist, but we would, we'd be happy to try to build it with you um, if that's something that you, you want to do. That's how it got started. I've known Bradley since since uh, you know we were in the sixth grade, so we've always done everything together, including businesses. So he roped me in soon soon after uh, getting getting the the tech guys on board, the people who could build it in in Australia, and so we were we were off to the races. So that was the original idea was to build the easiest way to explain it is like an IMDb before the podcast world, because nothing like that existed. So we we did that, which. We're, we're very proud of. So there are ratings and reviews on Podchaser and credits. So you can search for people, especially celebrities and anybody famous and find a profile on them and then see all of their, all of their guest interviews on any podcast. So you could search for Joe Biden or, you know, who, whoever you want 
and you can listen to different episodes that they've appeared on. So yeah, I'll, I'll stop there for now. I want to come back to the API because I'm curious how someone becomes a partner um, and uses your API because I, I love the idea of having the IMDB of podcasting. Tell me about the first product, the MVP, and how long it took to build and what sort of tools you and your partners in, in Melbourne used to build it. The screenshots of the MVP are so deeply archived <laughs> like it's 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 like a it's a fun thing you know once a year to to pull them out and laugh at ourselves because of how terrible it looked <laughs> but it was it was bootstrapped from the from the beginning so we didn't raise any money basically we, this was all you know evenings and weekends and community built so we we quickly formed you know a kind of coalition of people from the podcast subreddit to make sure that we were building what they wanted us to build so we started a, a slack community and just started talking to people in the community and asked what they would want from something like this and so we ideated for you know it took us four or five months to come up with exactly what we wanted it to look like with designs um you know the design process took a while Ryan, one of our other co-founders, is is in Melbourne. He's he uh, he designed the whole website. Um, he's he's incredible. But it took us a while to design it, and then on nights and weekends, it was built. You know, using it was built on React and PHP and Laravel and Elasticsearch, and so we launched this initial campaign before like before the alpha even came out, and said that the IMDb podcast is coming. We're going to have ratings, reviews, credits for podcasts. This is something that's been a long time coming and, and needed for years. And so we, we announced that to the community and shared that we would be giving away exclusive access to these people on Reddit and to podcasters that we'd reached out to. And that kind of sparked a fire. And so we, we built it in a way where if you registered for a key to get exclusive access, we would then send you three additional keys that you could share with friends. And within the first week, we had uh, over 6,000 people, you know, redeem keys on the website and, and register and sign up. And that so that was that was when we knew we were really we were really onto something. But that even that initial iteration was an ugly version of Podchaser that was just ratings and reviews and basically just had a homepage that was similar to Reddit, where if think something got a five-star rating, it would get boosted near the top and it would just decay over time. And that was that was what it initially looked like. You know, you could search for podcasts and listen to them and find information on them, but it was very basic. It was just, you know, a podcast directory. And so that was uh, June of 2017, I think, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Uh, so three years ago. Then over the next few months, we just kept iterating a bit. And then we realized hey, uh, fundraising is a thing, which, you know, we're, we're all pretty young, like none of us have fundraising experience, but we were like, if we're gonna do this right, like we need money. That's when that's when we got, you know, we, we started doing a, a ton of, you know, cold outreach and found our initial investor in Louisville, Kentucky, and then, then we were off to the races. On that, that first version that you, that you built, what sort of decisions and trade-offs did you have to make? in the short term and, and how did you cope with those? You know, I'm, I'm kind of looking for like, okay, this is the core set of features we're going to release and we're not going to do X, Y, Z. So how did you make those decisions? What, what was driving those decisions? We've always been a team that has prioritized just getting something, anything out to the public and getting feedback on it and then iterating. And even if we're not proud of it, even if it's ugly. So that first version of Podchaser, 
was just a very basic directory. You could search for podcasts, you could rate and review things, and there was a homepage trending section. And it was just, it was very basic. And we, we chose, we could have waited another six months and we could have built a lists feature, which we have now so that you could like add things to a list and share those lists. And, you know, that would have been a really great organic way to get people sharing Podchaser links, you know, from, from day one. But to us, it was more important to get something out there and to plant our flag as the IMDb of podcasts saying like, this is coming. It, it took us, it took us a year and a half after launch to even get creator profiles and credits um, out as a feature. So we, we started very early claiming like, this is what we want to build. And then, uh, and then just slowly built it over time based on community feedback. That's actually a great segue into my next question. So how did you progress the product and build your roadmap? So you mentioned community feedback. You got the first version out there. People are jazzed about it. You got people sharing keys. And then how did you progress it from there and decide, okay, now this is the next best thing. Dig a little more into that. Yeah, it was very community oriented. So we, our Slack community now has over a thousand people in it, but back then it had a, it had a couple of hundred and it was mostly podcast creators. So we, our initial thought process was if we can get podcast creators to share Podchaser, then it's going to bring their listeners. Because if they say, go rate and review my show on Podchaser, then listeners are going to discover it. Then they're going to discover all the features. So we, from the beginning built tools to support podcast creators. So we you know, quickly allowed people to do things like claim their profile page on Podchaser. So you could claim your podcast, make edits to it, you know, share a badge on your website uh, that you know, is a Podchaser themed badge. But I think most importantly, in those early days, you know, I was at that time, I was over product and marketing. I was actually over only, only over marketing in the beginning. Um, I've switched roles probably four times, um, as I'm sure most co-founders do. But being being over marketing, I had phone conversations and email conversations with, with hundreds of podcasters asking what tools don't exist yet that Podchaser could build that would support you and your growth in podcasting. And we we made a list. We made a we made a giant list of potential features that we could build. We still have a huge list of things that we want to build, but we chose to prioritize it based on based on surveys that we did. So we asked like, here, here are 20 things Podchaser could build. What do you think we should build? And so we would send that out to hundreds of people. Surprisingly, you know, we had like 40 and 50% of people respond because they were so, people are very passionate about their podcast. They're passionate about the podcast they listen to as consumers. And so the community was very supportive in helping us organize our features. And so after giving creators control over their pages, we then focused on lists. So there hasn't been a tool up until we released lists. There really hasn't been a great tool for consumers and podcasters to share like, here are the best episodes of my podcast and uh, send that out in a single link or for uh, people, just individuals to share with their friends, like here are my top 10 favorite podcasts and then share that in a way where the people they share it with can immediately listen or open it in their favorite app or, you know, do whatever they want to with it. it. Just didn't exist up until we built lists. So that took us, it took us a while. It took us like six months. And then by the next summer, that's where we went. That's where we went next. Um, so, but that was entirely based on, in, entirely based on community feedback. We've always taken a humble approach where like, I, I, I don't even have a podcast of, of my own. We do have, our CTO does, but we we did our best to put ourselves in the shoes of podcast creators to understand 
what we could do to help them. And we we didn't think at all at that time about about making money. It was just about about growth and about supporting the community and about making sure we were building something that was going to have uh, staying power and and long term value for these for these people. Let's let's flip the script a little bit from the product. So, how did you go about building your team? So, you're one of the co-founders. Um, you know, what did you look for in the people you brought on to identify them as the winning horses? Our our mentality from the beginning has been hiring people with a founder mentality because we're from the Midwest. We didn't raise a ton of money. We have to stay capital efficient, like we don't have offices. So it's very important for us to find people who would forsake some salary to have a stake in the company and are willing to work work overtime to make it happen and are really bought in and sold on the idea of an IMDb for podcasts and, and some of the ways that we're going to try to make money. So that has been the most important thing. So with people who we've gone through a vetting process with and even brought them on for a 30 day trial with us. We, I think we have like eight full time on our team now. We've probably gone through 20 people that, that just didn't make it through those initial 30 days. And we, we just haven't been afraid to say like, you know, we don't, we don't think you're a good fit for this because if they, if they, if they view this as, you know, a nine to five corporate job, that's just not going to cut it for us because we're, we're a startup. Like we have to, you know, we have to be agile. We have to do whatever it takes to get the job done. I would say that's been that's been the most important thing. You know, besides that, it's also just finding people who are very passionate about podcasting and know a lot about it so they really have a deep understanding of the product that we're building because we've we've been so close to it from day 1 that and I'm sure a lot of other people building products have this issue. It's like I I'm t- almost too close to the product. Like I, I understand how it works in a way that, that other people don't, but that prevents me from seeing it with a fresh set of eyes. So like if we can bring in people from the podcast world, like like Dave, who's our current head of marketing, you know, he he produced a very popular show before joining our team and he was part of production agency and he knows he knows more about podcasting than I probably ever will. Um, but he it was an extremely important hire for us because of that and because he was somebody who I actually already talked to on a daily basis in our Slack community because he was so passionate about the product, wanted to help. And so when I see people putting putting in effort like their their own time and volunteering that to to help us build the product, those are the first people I'm going to try to hire. So we we don't we don't very often put out job postings because we tend to find people organically and then recruit people. And even if they're working in another company, you know that 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 doesn't stop us. You know, we're we'll reach out to them and ask, like, hey, are you looking for a change? Because we think you'd be a perfect fit for this role that we're trying to hire for. You know, back to the product a bit. You know, you built the first version, had a core set of features. You progressed the product. Um, you know, using community feedback. Did you start building this in the beginning to scale efficiently, or was that something that you started fighting as you grew and Podchaser got more traction? Because we have always been capital efficient, like we didn't have a DevOps guy from the beginning. So our CTO was playing, you know, had had a lot of hats and was playing several different roles. So we we built it to scale in a way where, yeah, if we got a lot of traffic, we could handle it, but. If a lot of people were were using all of the different features, you know, the it, it would expose a lot of bugs, and 
in terms of scale, uh, yeah, we've we've always thought about that because we've we've always wanted that that day where and you know and now we're at a point where we're growing twenty and thirty percent every month in terms of traffic, um, and it's been totally fine and we've been able to scale that quickly. But we've expected that from day one um, and and planned planned around it. So yeah, I, I think that was that was very important. You know, apart from apart from bugs and bug reporting and having to play catch up there all the time, which I think is normal. <laughs> Yeah, we, we did build a scale from day one. So as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built with Podchaser, what are you most proud of? I would say I'm most proud of, of the passionate community of podcasters that so strongly support everything that we're building. So, I mean, there are thousands of podcasters every every week that log into Podchaser just to check up on the ratings and reviews, to build lists, to share things. And these are people who, who didn't have these tools before that now we've we've given them a voice and helped professionalize the podcasting world in a way where it was never it was more it was more of like, oh you have a podcast, that's that's like a hobbyist thing. But now, you know, with with our creator profiles, I feel like we've we've stepped up the game in a way where now you can share this profile that shows like this is my professional presence in the podcasting world. Here is here are the shows that I produce, the shows that I edit, my guest appearances, and you know a little bit about me, like my bio and where I live. And you know, it's in the same way that IMDb has pages for actors. You know, I think it's important that podcasters, uh, you know, are, are taken just as seriously. And so I think that we've we've leveled that up for them. And so uh, I think that's, that's what I'm most proud of. Let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how did you and your team respond to it? I would say we've made a lot of mistakes in hiring people, especially like SEO. It, it's a, it was a mistake, but also a learning experience. You know, we've spent a lot of money in a lot of different places on things like SEO and hiring a variety of people to do different jobs like marketing. And sometimes you just don't know until until they come on board. But, you know, if, if I look back at the money, like, quote unquote, wasted for learning experiences, that like makes me sick to my stomach. But, you know, I, I think that that's that's going to happen with a startup. You know, we're trying so many different things out and trying to figure it out. But if I could go back and have a better understanding of things like SEO and marketing and design and product, like we wouldn't have made those mistakes, but you can't know everything. So <laughs> yeah, we just have to live with it. So what does the future look like for uh, the product and, and for your team? And from the product standpoint, I'm, I want to know from a, from a listener and from a podcaster, what does the future look like? And then um, from your team, what does the future look like too? We're, we're not looking to build a bunch of new features to add on to what Podchaser already is. I think it's probably already confusing enough for most people to, to get, a, get a handle of from, from day one whenever they first create an account. So we're looking to uh, expand on existing features. So things like, things like lists. Right now you can make a list of podcasts, but you can't do things like collaborate with other people on a list or make a list of creators and share that like here are your producers based in Indianapolis or create things like, you know, a cool feature we're going to come out with is something called smart lists. So the name might change, but if you want to make a list of like, here are all um, NBA players on, you know, the, the, the Clippers. And then, you know, that list could show you uh, a feed of all of the most recent interviews for those people. 
or you know you could combine creators and, and podcasts and different things into a single list. So so list is a huge one. We'd love to update that. But then also just updating like the look and feel of of the website to help people understand how to use it. You know we. I know how to use it because I had a huge hand in building it, but I think it's still a bit confusing for some people to understand like what's the difference between a creator profile and a user profile as a listener. It's like, why do I, why do I have both? Should they be the same profile? It's so there are, there are questions that people have that I would like to resolve. And then you'll start to see, you'll start to see paid features. So, you know, at some point we're a startup, you know, we've raised a little over $2 million. So we, we have to make money at some point. We've got a, a few really cool things coming out that I can't share a whole lot about, but it does it does have to do with the API and a, a public facing version of, of the API that will help to power the entire industry. And we're going to be, you know, exposing metadata that uh, previously, you know, couldn't have been used for discovery purposes in apps or just from, you know, different different web tools um, that could that could take advantage of it. So we have big things coming with the API, different paid features on the website for power users. Um, but we want to make as many, thi- as many things free as possible for consumers because it's important to us that we keep growing. Like we have to show user growth every month. We have to show traffic increases every month because, you know, we have investors to report to. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of the, the, the listener features will continue to be free and we'll just keep making them better and better over time. And then with our team and how that's going to change, we've, we feel like we've really built a, a strong core team at this point. So we have, I think, like eight full-time people um, and then a handful of, of part-time people who help us with things like customer service and data moderation. But we, we don't, we don't want to hire too many more people. I think that the only reason we would change our team at all would be if we start making a lot of money and we need, you know, like a sales team. And then, then we're talking, you know, like series A growth strategies and you know, that's less about like the technology uh, side of our, our business and more about just just scaling revenue um, as we start to make money. So, you know, I think I think we have an awesome core team. I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it too much. You know, we might hire one or two more people, you know, just for like back end dev support or, you know, different different like we might hire someone to help us build different paid features. But that would be that'd be about it. I think that, you know, we, we've really we've really been thoughtful about preventing bloat in, in hiring and having people that we, we don't necessarily need. You know, I look at other teams and other startups who have made it to a series B or series C and, you know, I see that they have, you know, 300 software engineers and it's like, you know, I think, I think you can accomplish big things with a few people if you're, if you're very focused on what you, what you want to do. So that's that's been our philosophy, and I'm sure we'll we'll continue that. So a little bit towards the future of the product, I could totally see Podchaser replacing Apple Podcasts if <laughs> if there was a mobile a mobile option. Is there any any future plans to create a Podchaser mobile app that you can speak of? And um, if not, is it more towards driving people to using the API and building the experience on top of that? It is, it's really going to be all about the API. So we've we've purposefully not built an app up to this point. We've had this is this is one one place where we haven't listened to people who use Podchaser because overwhelmingly when we put surveys out in the world today to ask what people want they say a podchaser app like please please build a podchaser app and one like that would take several hires on our part um, which would significantly reduce our runway um, so we wouldn't last nearly as long as a company if we don't if we don't start making money but 
we feel like there are a lot of really great apps out there. And if we build the right API to support them, where they could tap into things like credits on Podchaser and ratings and reviews, and we have a centralized database of ratings between several different apps that are making use of it. So you can still leave ratings and reviews within an app. You can still view credits and even follow people. So like if somebody searches for Noah Code Story, you know, in in um, in any app, they should be able to pull up a profile of you. And that profile, that data can come from the Podchaser API. And we want, we don't want to, like we have so many apps that we work with and love that we think that their team is probably better suited to build on top of our, our data than we are. So uh, that's that's the direction we're taking. So there are several apps in development and some being released right now that are, that are powered by the Podchaser API that you'll be able to do things like follow people. And if they have a new guest appearance on a podcast, you'll get a notification about that. So you could follow Conan O'Brien. And then not only if he releases a new episode of Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, if he's on another show, if he's on the Ellen show, like you'll get a notification about that. So we're, we're very excited for that, um, as well as things like lists within apps and really ratings and reviews, I think is a huge, a huge missing piece of, of all of this, because right now uh, every podcast asks, you know, go rate and review my show on Apple. I think that for someone like me, I have an Android phone that leaves out half of your audience. Those are people that you could be engaging with. So we're trying to make ratings and reviews um, a more community community experience. So you can do things like respond to those reviews um, and build, you know, even like a central discussion board that could be shared on multiple platforms. You know, so we're we have we have a lot of um, ambitious ideas for the API, but I don't want to say we'll never have a Podchaser app because maybe maybe we do at some point. We just don't have anybody working on it today. So let's switch to you. Uh, who influences the way that you work? Name a CEO, CTO, architect, person, or whoever. Uh, name a person you look up to and why. The first person that comes to mind is probably Brent, um, who was the CEO of Vibonomics in Indianapolis. I spent a lot of time observing how how he built this company from raising 300000 to getting 2,000 customers to raising $15 million. And you know now I... I Kroger is their newest customer. It's like they're doing they're doing incredible things. So watching him hustle and have extremely ambitious ideas from the beginning. I've always been more conservative, you know, from small town Indiana. So <laughs> you know, we're not a we're not a coastal VC backed company. And so like he that has challenged me to think bigger than um, than what I within what I naturally naturally do. So, so like you, like, I love your statement about how Podchaser could, could, you know, take down Apple podcasts. That's something that personally, like I, I want to get to the point to where I can be, I can be so ambitious in my thinking. And I think I'm getting there, but you know, just seeing people like him do big things has been, has been extremely influential. So I think that, you know, if anybody's looking to get into startups, you know, finding somebody like that, that you could work under for a few years you can't beat that experience. School can never teach you what that can teach you. So um, that's that's been important. And then we also like since we've started Podchaser, we've built an incredible team of advisors, and this has been invaluable from day one too. So like one of our advisors, um, his name is John Gibbons. He's now like a close friend to Bradley, and we talk on the phone and text all the time, and we run every idea by him because he he was one of the early employees at IMDb and was their international head of revenue. So not only is he great, you know, just just for that and understanding how IMDb makes money and how that parallels with what what we're doing, but uh, he's also just been like incredibly supportive uh, of our team. And, and you know, 
we, he's somebody that we can call anytime we have any problems. And so finding great advisors like him, I think is, is very important for a startup too. So, you know, we have other advisors from SeatGeek to Cameo and other startup and, and Letterboxd based out of New Zealand. And so these are people that we've, we've built around us that we know, like I didn't know much at all about podcasting before getting into this. So I, d- I also didn't know much about like scaling revenue for, for a company like ours. So like if we can find people who've done it before, who are smarter than us, that's been our philosophy in finding advisors and in hiring is just surrounding ourselves with people who, who are smarter than us. And those, those advisors are, are those people for us. So those are people that I look up to for sure. If you could go back to the beginning of Podchaser, what would you do differently or consider taking a different approach on? My my instinct is always to say that I would try to figure out revenue earlier, but I think that instinct is wrong <laughs> because we've we've had so many doors open for us that we never would have been able to predict uh, unless we we kind of put that off, which I don't know if that's good advice or not. Probably not. You should probably understand how you're going to make money, <laughs> you know, when you launch a business. You know, I think honestly, probably giving people too much time that we knew weren't weren't a, a good fit with the company. You know, it's you get attached to people. It's you have to understand, like like investors have given have given us money, and so we're accountable for that and responsible for that money, and so we have to spend it. Uh, you know, we have to be, we have to be responsible with that. And so like when we make a hire, even, even like 60 days is sometimes too long and it's, you want to give people a chance and you want to, you know, put in, you know, a three strike system and start to, you know, report like disciplinary. But like, once you start thinking about discipline, like it's, it's already gone too far because uh, at a stage like ours, like we just don't have the time to think about things like that. Like we need people, you know, like I said before, you know, with a founder mentality that, that don't need dis- things like discipline, <laughs> that if they need that, then, then it's, it's time to move on. And so, you know, we've learned that now, but I think understanding that from day one would have, would have helped us move just a little bit, a little bit faster. You're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing, right? They're jazzed about it. They just want to show it off to you. They want to show it off to the world. They can't wait to you know, get it out into the hands of people. They think it's going to make an impact. What advice would you give that person having gone down this road a bit? Things will always take longer than you expect <laughs> and raise three times as much money as you think you need. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, those are, those are two things that it's, that we learned this in that first company we started out of college. It's like, we ran out of cash and it was a great business. You know, we, as like 22 year olds were making, we were doing $10,000 a month in revenue. And it's like, we just, we didn't understand cash flow. And then, and then with product development, it's like, oh, we could build that in two months. And it's like, no, that's going to take you a year <laughs> to do it, to do it right. So probably those two things. That's solid advice. Well, Cole, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for being on Code Story and telling the creation story of Podchaser. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This has been great. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Labhart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. Support the show on patreon.com slash codestory for just five to ten bucks a month. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. <laughs>